The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. I always think Megan just can do that for another hour and I'll be all good. <laughs> We're going to start a little bit differently this morning. Um, I want you all to read the scripture with me this morning. As we stand, and will you stand as we recite the Lord's Prayer together? Stand as we read God's Word together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, 
and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. The Lord's Prayer, the model prayer. These are the main points of the Christian faith. Declaring God holy, anticipating, preparing for the kingdom of heaven, praying for our daily needs, not once, needs, forgiveness, our own and with God and others, protection from evil, both the results of evil, others' evils, and us acting out on the evil within us. But today we're going to focus on forgiveness because it's essential to salvation because it is the hallmark of our faith in Jesus because it is the purpose of Jesus' death and resurrection because it was the reason for the Old Testament sacrifices because it shows our faith in action forgiveness it sounds so easy doesn't it it's easy to say that word and some days it is easy. And in some days, it's impossible. Nelson, don't you know what he did to me? I trusted him. She stabbed me in the back when she... And it hurts to your core. Someone asked, how, how do I forgive someone? when it hurts all to the core. Well, you can flippantly say, forgive and forget. Right. That, that works, right? How can you forget something when it hurts so deeply? You realize we remember things that evoke an emotion in us. That's why us guys forget everything, because we don't have any emotions sometimes. <laughs> we remember what evokes an emotion in us. You can't forget when you're hurt so terribly. You can forgive the store clerk for saying something stupid to you, but when those same words come from someone you love, it hurts so much more. I mean, if you went up to a, you know, you're, you're at the store and the store clerk says, man, you're ugly. <laughs> so what? Who are you? But when it's your husband or your father said, you're ugly. That means a whole lot more, doesn't it? If some little old lady comes up to you guys and says, man, you're disgusting. Yeah, Whatever. But if it's your wife or it's your mother and it says, you disgust me, you can never unhear those words. Those words will reverberate you, with you the rest of your life. Forgiveness is hard. How do you forgive? Look at those, those things up there. Adultery, lying, rape, death, stealing, insults, abandonment, failure cheating yet forgiveness is the hallmark of salvation through jesus 
for your forgiveness begins at salvation because forgiveness is from God. Forgiveness comes through salvation. In 1 John 1.9, it says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. My little children, I am writing you these things. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus is our forgiveness. He's our propitiation. He had a big word. That means he died for you. He died for your sins in the same way in the Old Testament the lamb was shed, had to die and shed its blood for the forgiveness of the sins of the one giving the offering, the sacrifice. Jesus did that for us once and for all so that we would not have to go and take lambs to the altar every year for our sins like they had to in the Old Testament. Jesus did that for us. And we see as we read through the New Testament, Jesus forgave people. Darren's been preaching through the Gospel of Mark. Back in Mark chapter 2, we see the story of the paralytic man. He had four friends. They tried to get to Jesus. They had to lower him down through the ceiling to get to Jesus because the room was so packed. And what's the first thing Jesus said to that man? Your sins are forgiven. Not you are healed. He said, your sins are forgiven. What did Jesus, when he was on the cross, and he was in pain and agony, one, for the sins of the world, two, he was just in physical pain and agony because crucifixion is painful. And he's talking to one of the other criminals. And he says, today you will be with me in paradise. That could only happen if Jesus forgave him of his sins. The Pharisee Saul, in the book of Acts, he helped kill people. He helped kill Christians. He helped arrest Christians. God forgave him. You read his account in in, uh, Acts chapter 21, and you can see where God forgave him and turned him from the Pharisee Saul to the Apostle Paul who wrote half our New Testament. You know know how else Jesus forgave? You. If you're a child of God, He has forgiven you. He has forgiven me. Am I perfect? No. But He has forgiven me. He has forgiven you. Because forgiveness comes through salvation. You are forgiven no matter what your crime is. Think about this. King David, a man after God's own heart. Adultery, murder, failure to trust God. God forgave him. Read Psalms 51. You see David's repentance to God. The Pharisee Saul was also, he, like I said, he was guilty of murder and hatred towards Christians, and he became the Paul, the apostle. 
because he was forgiven. John Newton, the slave trader, was forgiven. And we get the song, Amazing Grace, because he was forgiven. Do you know people in your life who were drunks, gambling addicts, thieves, drug abusers, prostitutes, johns, adulterers, liars, egomaniacs, greedy, just plain ungodly? Then they experienced the forgiveness provided by Jesus Christ, and it changed their lives. They went from a wretched person to a godly saint. That may be you. That probably describes some of you in here. Maybe you're like me. I've never done drugs. I've never been drunk. I've never hired a prostitute. I don't cuss. I've gone to church and tried to serve God my whole life, even as a child. I went to church sometimes when my mother didn't go to church as an elementary kid. Church was across the street. I walked there. When I was in high school, I got rides. <laughs> I just, we, we had moved to churches farther away then. Um, I went to many churches. So I've been to Mennonite, Church of the Brethren, Free Will Baptist, Southern Baptist. I, I've, been to, I've been to a whole bunch. Yet the older I get, the more I realize I'm sinful. Do I need the forgiveness of God? Absolutely. Sins that were are not on my radar when I was 20 are like flashing neon signs in my life now. I need the same forgiveness that any killer, any human trafficking street pimp needs. Jesus died for me the same as any criminal on death row. And for you. Because I repented, because I continue to repent, I am forgiven. In Peter's sermon in the book of Acts at the day of Pentecost, the crowd said, what must we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. God has forgiven you much. You, personally, he has forgiven you much. Forgiveness comes through salvation because forgiveness is from God. But number two, forgiveness is the hallmark of the Christian faith. Forgiveness distinguishes Christianity from every other world religion. Other religions talk about what you must do to achieve enlightenment, what you need to do to earn your way into some version of heaven. But Christianity alone preaches forgiveness. As we noted in the Lord's Prayer, you are to forgive as you have been forgiven. Forgive as you have been forgiven. You are to pass on your forgiveness. It's a sign of your salvation. The theme of forgiveness runs throughout the Sermon on the Mount. The Lord's Prayer is a part of that Sermon on the Mount. Look at the topics Jesus discusses around forgiveness and reconciliation. So we're going to do a quick, going to preach the entire Sermon on the Mount here in the next two minutes. Look at the Beatitudes. 
Blessed are the merciful, because they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they are called the sons of God. Can you show mercy without forgiving? Can you bring peace without forgiving those who, who are against you? Without forgiveness? In verse 23, it says, If you are offering a gift at the altar, and then you remember that your brother has something against you, and you leave your gift there in front of the altar, first go and be, what's the word? Reconciled with your brother. Then come and offer your gift. Can you reconcile with a brother and sister of Christ if you have not forgiven him? Verse 39, it says, But I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. A slap is an insult. We not, may not physically slap somebody these days. Sometimes you do. Sometimes it's just a plain insult. Can you turn the other cheek when someone insults you without immediately and completely forgiving them? Jesus continues, You have heard it said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemies, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. Can you love your enemy without forgiving him for the fact that they are your enemy? How can you show love to them if you haven't forgiven them for being your enemy, whatever the reason they're your enemy? There's many reasons we have enemies. The Lord's Prayer, as we just recited, includes at the end of it an admonition. It says, For if you forgive people their wrongdoing, your heavenly Father will forgive you as well. But if you don't forgive people, your Father will not forgive you your wrongdoing. Was this conditional salvation? No. If you can't trust God's justice to forgive another, then have you really trusted God for your salvation? Let me say that again. If you can't trust God's justice to forgive another, then have you really, truly trusted God for your salvation? I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation. I'm trying to... This is important. This is a hallmark of the Christian faith. You must trust God to provide justice for the hurt that has been done against you. Isn't that why we don't forgive? Because we want justice? You must trust God to forgive, to provide justice for the hurt that's been done against you. Are you serious about your walk with God? Do you wonder what's holding you back sometimes? It may, may very well be the pain of a past hurt that you've yet to forgive. An unforgiving heart, even if it's just one person for one deed, can hold you back spiritually. God wants all of us. There is no area in our life that God does not want you to turn over to Him. The common phrase is like, well, I'll give it to God, except I'll, I'll handle this one in this case. I'll, I'll take care of this one. That doesn't work. You may have to forgive someone who you never knew. 
some things that have hurt us, you don't, know, you don't know the person who actually did the hurt, but you're still mad at them. You still can't forgive them. You may have to forgive someone who is dead. You may have to forgive someone who's in jail. Forgiveness is not easy. That's why when you get in Sermon on the Mount, you get to uh, chapter 7, verse 7. Keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. We used to, when we hear those stories, we think about stuff. Keep asking for that new car, right? Keep asking for that nicer house. You know, keep dreaming about those things. God may give it to you. What about keep asking to help you to forgive somebody you don't want to forgive? Keep asking you to forgive somebody who does something that's unforgivable. You can ask for that too. Don't quit forgiving. Don't quit trying to forgive. Forgiveness is a fruit of salvation. Verse 20, it talks about the fruits. You will know you by your fruits. Forgiveness is a fruit of salvation. You forgive because you have been forgiven by God. Not many people will practice true forgiveness. But if you do, you are following the commands of Jesus. Not the suggestions. Not the, this might be a good thing to try. The commands of Jesus. And how does he end the Sermon on the Mount? He says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a sensible man who has built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The Sermon on the Mount, it's about forgiveness, reconciliation. You think when you read through Scripture, reconciliation is a word that you hear often too. Reconciliation is about bringing together. It's about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a, the hallmark of the Christian life because forgiveness is from God. And number three, forgiveness is an action. For, forgiveness is more just than a, than a thought in your mind. It's how you live your life. Forgiveness is about what you do and what you say. Forgiveness is about what you do not do and what you do not say as well. You remember a couple weeks ago, Derek McMurchie preached about church discipline as one of the marks of a church. The goal of church discipline is reconciliation. In Matthew 18 is where Jesus talked about that in reconciliation. Immediately followed the text that Darren, Derek used is a conversation between Jesus and Peter. In Matthew 18, starting in verse 21, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often must I forgive my brother? How often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Boy, Peter was being gracious. He's a fisherman. He's, seven, he's, he's being gracious seven times. Think about, do we give people seven chances? You go to a restaurant and the first time you show up there and they should give you bad service, do you go back six more times? No. We don't do it. No. Peter was being gracious. But Jesus, what did Jesus say in verse 22? Jesus said to him, I do not say you seven times, but 70 times seven. Oh, great. Now I have to do math to learn how to forgive. 
No. 70 times 7. And then to clarify, Jesus told a parable. What does this parable say? He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one of his servants was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Think millions of dollars. That, that, that's a big number. Think millions of dollars. And since he could not pay him, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and make payment for him. Aren't we glad we don't do it quite that drastically? I mean, we might have an estate sale and sell all your stuff, but it usually doesn't include you and your family. <laughs> okay? But that's the way they did it then. He was, all his stuff was being sold to include his wife and children. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me. I will repay you everything. Do you have the money to repay millions? Most of us don't. This guy didn't either. And out of pity, in verse 27, out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Somebody owed me a couple million dollars. I don't know if I could write that one off. But in verse 29, the same servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. The denarii was one day's pay. So a hundred denarii was a hundred days wages. So think of how much you make in 100 days. Something, minimum wage. Roughly a few hundred dollars. And so what did the servant say? He owed him 100 denarii. Seizing him, he began to choke him. Hands around the neck. Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will repay you. Sounds familiar. But he refused and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that has taken place. Yeah, they narked on him. Okay. The master summoned that servant back and said to him, You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all his debt. So, also, your heavenly Father will do everything, do, will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart from your heart. Not like when you, know, you get kids argue and you say, now say you're sorry. Now, now hug your brother. Okay. You, you know, we did that. You, when you were a kid, you did that. I think, okay. <laughs> you didn't really mean it. You're just trying to get out of being in worse trouble. That's not from your heart. You and I have been forgiven much. We have been forgiven a fortune. Think of the fortunes of Elon Musk or Bill Gates or John Rockefeller, whatever your generation is, which one of you guys you think of rich guys. Together could not match what you owe God. Yet we do not forgive those around us who have only, relatively speaking, created small hurts. We may think they're big, but compared to what we have done to God, 
they're small. In this parable, God is the king who forgives much. You and I are those servants who must now forgive each other. If God can forgive you for all that you have done to him and to others, why can't you forgive that one person who hurts you? If they have sinned in hurting you, then let God deal with it. It is not your job to punish them. Seeking an apology before you forgive is a form of punishment on your part. Well, I'll forgive them as soon as they apologize. That's your pride talking. You're trying to punish them for what they did. It's either the legal authorities or God who will provide justice, depending on what the crime was. You may be a witness, but you are not the judge. I'm not talking about parents disciplining their children. I'm not talking about a circuit judge or a jury convicting a criminal. I'm talking person to person, peer to peer, friend to friend, husband and wife, brother to sisters in Christ within this church. I'm not preaching this because I know of something that's going on because I don't. This sermon came about while I was in Kuwait because somebody asked, what do I do when somebody hurts me and I can't forgive them? But it it holds so many churches apart. It tears so many churches apart, unforgiveness. It could be over little peddly stuff. It could be over serious stuff. But unforgiveness keeps Christians from being united And you realize that one that you unforgive, that enemy in your heart, the one you loved may now be your enemy in need of your forgiveness. Often does that happen? Somebody who we once loved has become our enemy and they're in need of forgiveness. How do you put that forgiveness into action? What does that even look like? In Romans 12, Verse 18, Paul is writing. The Pharisee Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, he writes this in verse 18, 12, 18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. It's not, our God, it's not our job. It's God's job. Read the Psalms. David, and even the Psalm that we read today, talks about our enemies. And it doesn't say, God, give me the strength to defeat my enemies. It says, God, please take care of my enemies. You do it. It's not my job. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You have been forgiven much. You have been forgiven everything by God through Jesus. Because you have been forgiven, you have the grace and the power to forgive others. You must treat your enemies, what did it say? With kindness. If they need something, give it to them. 
you are to do good, not evil. God is the judge, you are not. You are the king's slaves who has been forgiven. Now it's your job to forgive your fellow slaves. So what does forgiveness really look like? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is building a path to reconciliation. It's building a path to bring two people back together again. People who were once friends, then became enemies, you can become friends again. It's building a stronger relationship. Think about the people in your lives who you have the strongest relationships. You've, you've dealt with problems. One of the great best ways for families to build family bonding, studies have shown, is camping. Why? Because things go wrong when you go camping. <laughs> It rains, it storms, something breaks, you forgot something, somebody steals something, I don't know. Things go wrong when you go camping. But it's a great bonding experience. It builds a stronger, when you forgive, you build stronger relationships. It gives another a second chance. How often do you like to have a second chance when you mess up? or it might be a third chance, or a fourth chance. A chance to do better. As I said before, it is a sign of salvation when you forgive. And because of that, it is a step of faith. It's like, I can't forgive. Put it in God's hands. God is the judge, you are not. It's a step of faith. It is evidence that you're a continual sanctification in Jesus. Uh, what? Nelson, you're using big seminary words again. Yeah, I know. Sanctification. That means being made holy, the process of being made holy. You're sitting in a sanctuary, a holy place. If you're a child of God, the Bible calls you a saint, a holy person, a holy one. It's the process of being made holy over your life as you learn to forgive. And forgiveness is a testimony to others about Jesus' salvation. If you can forgive them, then maybe God can forgive them. And they can turn and look at God differently. Because frankly, most people, when they think of God, they picture their own father. And some people didn't have good fathers. They had absentee fathers. They had abusive fathers. They had coarse fathers. People think, I don't know why we do that. It's just kind of human, the way our nature works. But if you can learn to forgive them, then maybe the people who you forgave or the people who are around you that see you forgive them and not hold it against them will say, well, maybe there is something to this God thing. Maybe there is something to this Jesus thing because they see the way you treat others. But on the contrary, what is forgiveness not? It's not forgetting what happened. Okay? It's, you can't, like we said, you can't forget it. If it hurts you deeply, you're not forgetting it. That's, that's not what it, but it's also not keeping score. Okay, I've forgiven you eight times now. I only got 
how many times? 400 and however many left that I got now? That's not it. It's not keeping score. It's not about seeking vengeance. I'll forgive them once they get arrested, put in jail. I'll forgive them once they apologize to me. Once they say they're sorry to me, and I, then I'll grant them forgiveness. I'll, like you're a king or something. No, it's not about seeking vengeance. Forgiveness is not about avoiding punishment and consequences. Well, you forgive me, I don't have to be punished now. No, that's not what that means either. Consequences of your actions still happen. It's not about, you know, you forgave me, therefore you're not going to testify against me going to jail. No, that's not the case either. Well, Daddy, you forgave me. You don't have to punish me now. No, no, that doesn't mean that. It's not about avoiding punishment. But also forgiveness is not the same as trust. You know, I'm at home. I, a lot of times I'll take my wallet out of my pocket and uh, I get tired of sitting on it, so I'll set it on my coffee table. Well, if you come to my house, you might see it sitting there. Well, if you steal my wallet, I'm going to be unhappy. I'll probably forgive you. That's the kind of guy I am. But you know what? The next time you come over, yeah, I'm not leaving that there. <laughs> okay? Maybe I'll leave a dollar bill there and see what you do. <laughs> you start building that trust back, okay? All right. Maybe eventually I'll trust you again. But that doesn't mean I hold it against you. That doesn't mean I don't invite you back to my house. Listen, this is hard. When Jesus said to forgive 70 times 7 times, I think sometimes this means you have to forgive the same person for the same grievance 70 times 7 times. Because if you've done something grievous, you've killed my child. I might be able to forgive you today after listening to this sermon. But tomorrow I see another child and all that hurt and pain comes flooding right back. And I have to forgive you all over again. And I have to forgive you every day. And then a miracle happens. I go three days where I don't think about it. But then the fourth day it comes flooding back again. And I keep forgiving. And then somehow a week goes by. And then it comes back. And then somehow a month goes by. But sometimes when it hurts and when it's hard, you have to forgive more than once. You may honestly mean, I did forgive them, but the pain doesn't immediately go away. You will always have a scar. It's like an injury. I mean, if I stabbed you in the shoulder or something, there's an injury there. It's, there's going to be pain and, and such while it heals, and there'll probably be a scar there for the rest of your life. It may hurt for the rest of your life. You know, no, it's going to rain. My shoulder hurts again. It may be there for the rest of your life to remind you of the pain. And you have to remember to forgive again and again and again, seven times, 70 times. Yet God, yet God not only asks, but commands you to forgive even the most grievous sin. 
because he forgave you. If someone has hurt you deeply, whether they did it intentionally or not, you, you have created an injury. Let me say that again. You may have been the one that hurt somebody. You may have been the one that hurt, that hurt somebody, whether you did it intentionally or not. You have created an injury that is slow to heal. Their healing, if you've hurt somebody, their healing belongs to them. It may take longer than you wish. But you have to start rebuilding that trust with that person. And rebuilding that trust is hard. I mean, think about one of those great big trash barrels, you know, 60-gallon trash barrels. And think of trust as the water it takes to fill that trash barrel. That's a lot of water, right? But when somebody hurts us, we take buckets and we just dump it out real fast, don't we? And if the trust, is, if, the, the, if the hurt was big enough, we just knock the whole thing over. But you know what? When you've hurt somebody, somebody's hurt you, how do we refill that barrel? Do we go get the fire hose out? No. We do it this way. <laughs> a teaspoon at a time. Think about when somebody's hurt you, you don't just give them the trust right away. It takes a long time, many little acts to rebuild the trust. And if you've hurt somebody, you've got to get your teaspoon out and you're going to have to start refilling that bucket. Little things. I don't know what little things it'll be for you and the person you trust. You know, if it's your spouse and you were on some websites that you weren't supposed to be on, well, maybe it's giving them access to everything you have. If you lied to them, don't expect them to ever, you've got to back up everything you say with somebody else that you told the truth. Every time, for a long time. Filling it up, taking that spoon, I'm trying to walk all the way up this aisle and put it here and then go back and get another one. It takes a long time to rebuild. If you've hurt somebody, you've got to rebuild that trust a teaspoon at a time. It's not easy. God didn't call us to easy life. Rebuilding trust. And if the person you've hurt is having a hard time forgiving you, you may have to forgive them for not forgiving you. It takes patience. It takes perseverance. But whatever you do, don't quit forgiving. Rebuilding trust after a hurt takes a long time. Rebuilding trust... It takes a long time. It's slow. It's painful. But it's necessary for healing. Forgiveness is from God. Forgiveness comes through salvation in Jesus Christ. Salvation is the hallmark of the Christian life. Forgiveness is an action that you do. You're a sinner. You cannot earn your salvation. There is, you can never be good enough. Adam and Eve failed. You have failed. I have failed. You must repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You have never, if you have never done that, then today can be the day of your salvation. Jesus died for your forgiveness. Jesus died for the remission of your sins. Repent today. And if you're a Christian here, you must continue to repent. 
Repent of the sins you still do. Repent of the unforgiving attitude you may have had. Uh, repent, as the Bible says, in dust and ashes. What does the Lord require? A broken, humbled, and contrite heart. Seeking the forgiveness of another is humbling. Giving forgiveness to another who does not deserve it is equally humbling. Both are necessary. Both require a step of faith on your part. A step of faith that could be just as great as David had when he stepped onto the battlefield with Goliath. With God, all things are possible. Keep asking God to help you forgive. Keep seeking Jesus of the scriptures to teach you forgiveness. Let's pray. Lord God, you are a mighty and a precious God. And as we end this time of discussing your word, discussing forgiveness, Lord, help us to continue to worship you in song. But Lord, help us to worship you by learning to forgive. Show us where we need to forgive. Show us who we need to forgive, Lord. You are the mighty God. Help us as we continue to serve you, Lord. Help us to step out in faith to serve you. Whether it's a step out and ask you and seek you out and repent for the first time or to seek out forgiveness for somebody we've long held a grudge against as a part of our continued walk with you. You are the mighty God. We just pray these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Let us sing. You may stand up.